I'm E. I'm Rob. This is uh, Q3, a.k.a. Airdrum, the producer. Welcome to the next movement, everyone. Q3, a.k.a. Eardrum, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time this evening. We have a lot that we wanted to talk to you about, but I thought that we could start with your work on Unlearning Volume 2, which is the latest project from Evidence that's dropped a few months ago. Volume 1, Volume 1. Volume 1, sorry, Volume 1. <laughs> you produced beats for two of the tracks, All Money 1983 and Pray with an A. So in hearing you talk about your work on the album, I think you posted this in on Instagram um, about how this collaboration happened. It sounded like you submitted 50 beats to evidence over a two year span. It just made me really curious about the overall process. How did this work? Were you literally sending evidence beats you thought he might be interested in over the last few years? No, see, Ev, he just thorough, like he real. So in like 2018, uh, I was connected with Ev and um, he was just tight. He used to like FaceTime us at the studio and he used to give me pointers on like the ASR uh, 10 because uh, the home girl that my home girl who uh, had the studio, who opened the studio, she had an ASR 10 and I wanted to learn how to kind of use it. Cause I like the, 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 the sound texture of, of the machine. Mm-hmm. And he was just like the guy for it. And like, I'm a mixing engineer also. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to engineering. So I spoke a good language. So that's how me and Ev really started to build. And then ever since then, he was just a real stand-up guy. I go to L.A., he's like one of the only people I go see out there, really. Mm. Um, besides Dirty Diggs, um, I, I pull up the Evidence Studio where he called me and just shoot the shit, you know what I mean, tap in. Like, he's just a real homie of mine. The whole 50 Beats thing is because he's just really meticulous of a person. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it just it was at least 50 Beats. Like, I'm playing you this, I'm playing you this. He picked a couple, and he would start writing, and it would stick. But then, like, those two that he picked, he just like spit those songs right out mm. and that's what he wanted to do. Like they just naturally came through like this unlearning album was more so him like challenging his own creative process and going against that and being a, like a lot more natural, you know what I mean? Cause Ev nice, yeah. Ev nice, but like he come from the era where like he had to really be nice. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, uh, especially being a white rapper, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> back in the nineties, like you really had to show your shit. It's not like now, like, anybody can rap and and it's way more openly accepted it was a real cutthroat game back then because you know hip-hop started more so as black culture you know what i mean so like to be somebody outside of our culture who's who could really be embraced by the culture you Mm -hmm. had to really be nice but he's 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 passed all of those those points and it was at this point where he just wanted to just relax his shoulders and be more natural and i guess like those two beats was those two beats didn't sound like something i would produce Mm-hmm. And and it didn't sound like something he would usually rap to, which is what he was going for. And I was just busy sending him evidence type beats. You know what I mean? Because I've been listening yeah. to him for years since I was a kid. You know what I mean? And like 
when I got my first NBC, I was listening to his second album while I was making beats. So, like, I already had, like, all right, he going to like this one. This was saying, he was saying hot on this one, and it was just like, it's not about that. It's about, like, what's going to make him just start moving the pen. Right. Mm. And I just got lucky, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I was excited when I saw your, your name in the credits because I, I really enjoy your production. To that end, I, I have a question about how do you decide when to keep something for yourself and, and when to give that beat to, to another artist? It's a spur of the moment thing because when I make beats, when I make beats, I'm not thinking of nobody. Like, I'm not thinking like, oh, I'm making beats because I want a rapper on it. Like, I don't give a fuck about no rappers. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. So, and, and nine times out of ten, I don't even know what the hell to send a rapper. Because when I'm making a beat, I'm just making a beat to make the beat. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I just make the beat. I'm not thinking of, sometimes I don't even think of myself to rap to it. If I feel like rapping while I'm making the beat, if I start rapping in my head, I might end up rapping into it myself. You know what I mean? But figuring out what to keep and send, I don't, they all mine. They belong to me. Like, yeah. nobody owns the shit. And I didn't say I made it specifically for this person. Right. If if I know if I know an artist or, or a, a musician or whatever that I'm working with, a vocalist, and I can, like, hear them as I'm making the beat, yeah, but I don't, like, and then maybe I'll send it to them. But nine times out of ten, I'm just, like, shooting in the dark. And then sometimes a, 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 an artist picks a beat. For the most part, um, I'd rather an artist pull up on me or I'll pull up on them so I can play the beat and then I could see their reaction and them want to rap to that. Hmm. Other than that, like, there's been beats that have sitting emails. Artists, some a lot of people's favorite artists have picked my beats and I haven't heard back from them or have rapped to them and I, the song hasn't released. It's annoying dealing with rappers and artists, so I never really had that on, on my head or that's just going to piss me off. You know what I mean? I just yeah. make the beat. Yeah, it's got to be for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I, I can't just think about them rapping to the beat. I got to think about, all right, if they rap to it, they're going to rap to it. When are they going to drop it? When, they gonna, when are they going to record it? When are they going to send it to me? Who's right. going to mix it? When I'm going to hear the final version, what project is it going to be on? Will it be released in the next three to five years? So I can't even think about artists when I'm making the beat. I'm just making the beats and they're just there. I have a feeling there are a lot of producers out there that can uh, relate to what you just said. Yeah. It's, it's very frustrating, but it's a lot of producers that feel as though their job is to work with an artist. And like my sole purpose in this shit is to be like, no, it's really not like you don't really need an artist. You are an artist. If you ask me, especially in this state of hip hop, the producer is more important than anybody mm. besides the engineer. The engineer is the most important unless you're an engineer and a producer. The engineer is the most important in any in music in general. That's a perspective that I think we probably share, but I'm not sure it's a widely accepted perspective from folks out in the, in the listening crowd. I understand that, but those listening crowds don't even understand what they're listening to. Yeah. They're like, ah, it sound, it's loud enough, but yeah, they don't right. understand, like, you don't understand why you like this song. And, 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 and I'm not saying, like, as engineers, like, it has to be pristine, super overmixed, perfect. Nah, it's just like, it's just got to be right. It's, even if it's raw, even if it's rugged and recorded poorly, that poor recording still got to get mastered. And when that gets mastered, it sounds crazy. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. you're right. And I'm not even a master and engineer. I'm a mixing engineer. Mastering is like super hard. Yeah. yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. You can hear the difference when it's done right. Oh, yeah. Even if it's shitty, it could have an aesthetic which still sounds like it's done right. It's like hard to explain. But do you think most people have an ear for that? Do you think people really pay attention to sound quality? 
I don't know. Some people do, some people don't. <laughs> it's fifty fifty. Some people really be picking up on certain shit, but some people yeah. don't. But but if if I tell them about it, they'll hear the difference. Right. Sometimes I think that's a special ability, like to to really hear a song in the construction of it. Right. Um, I don't know that everybody has that ability, and that's why they don't hear what someone like you would hear. True. But I've also heard a lot of people saying like, "Yo, this is like shit." <laughs> like, this sound like shit. I like the song, yeah. but it sound like shit. Right, right, right. It's very true. But you know, you never know. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I just like to have. I like, I like the, when I mix. I like for it to be a good medium where it sounds kind of raw, and it, and it, it, I want it to sound genuine. I don't want to sound like I'm a rapper. I'm rapping at you, or I'm in this fucking sonic field in another universe, and it's a bunch of reverb and all this imagination. No, I want my voice to sound like this is my voice, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm talking to you, and I'm there. You know what I mean? I don't want to take yeah. you nowhere else. I don't want to take you nowhere else but inside yourself when you hear my shit. Mm, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we touch on um, the projects that you released this year. So uh, the most recent is Deaf Wave, and this is the latest installment in the Deaf series. In doing projects like this, what, what's your observation on how audiences engage with instrumental albums? Do you think there's a bigger interest now versus how people engage with these projects in previous years? Instrumental albums in general? Yeah. Well, you know, the whole lo-fi shit made the average listener appreciate just listening to instrumentals more because Mm -hmm. the average listener always appreciates the instrumental, but they're too uh, unappreciative of the producer to do the research and found out who made the beat. Like, oh, this artist is hot because of the beat. Like, that rapper ain't make that shit. You know what I mean? Just yeah. usually do you do your Googles. You gonna find out who made the beat, then go find them, and you can find more of their work. But the whole lo-fi wave, and you know what I mean? DBIC, Mind Design, uh, Flying Lotus. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. 14K. Uh, the, the list goes on. Gray Matter. Myself. I'm, I guess I'm pretty much a part of it myself. Thanks to Rolling, you know, for and, and embracing me. Um, Stolen drums or stolen dreams? I don't know. I I don't want to go on a shout out spree, but the the, the yeah. lo-fi artists really actually brought Sam. I am the lo-fi artists really brought in their appreciation for just the person making the beats. So having an instrumental album or beat tape, they're two different things. Mm-hmm. Are more appreciative for people nowadays too. I guess my curiosity around that came from my own experience. I find as the older I got, I've gravitated more towards projects like that. And then the past when I was younger and I was engaging in hip hop, like I, I really wasn't checking for it. But now like I really, and I don't know what it was like, but I really like, I mean, you know, albums like Def Wave, like I really love your instrumental stuff. And so I just, it's, it's, these are projects that I really look for now. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, along those lines, uh, I mean, I, I also really enjoy the Deaf instrumental series and some of my favorite instrumental projects out there right now. And what sets them apart for me is that they carry a certain vibe throughout. And oftentimes I think instrumental albums feel like disjointed or lack cohesion where your Deaf series all fit together so well. Do, do you go into them knowing what you want or knowing that yeah, you I, want each track to carry that vibe? I know at least a year or two ahead of what I'm doing. Hmm. I got a whole list of all of the projects that I'm going to do. Like I'm already three more projects deep. I just come up with the name. You know what I mean? Usually I like try to play off of death and something else and then carry it into like what it's going to sound like or how, what's the, what's the, the vibe 
it's it's gonna it's gonna come with it. Mm. But I always have it in the back of my mind, and then sometimes when I make beats, I'll be like, oh, this will sound good on the next one or on the one after that. And then I have like you know I drop one a year, so I already know what I'm doing next year. I know what I'm doing a year after that. I know what I'm doing a year after that. And all I gotta do is just keep working on shit, and then most of the beats gonna make sense. I got thousands of beats. I get to sit there and pick my beats and just put out projects. But I like to sometimes have new energy, and I like to dig up some shit like, oh shit, I forgot about this one. This is a perfect transition beat for 30 seconds right here. You know what I mean? That that little beat that you like, damn, I, why didn't it be long enough? I like that. You gonna run the track back, and then the whole track is only two minutes, and it's super short. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um. I definitely have a, a theme and I want to stick to that, but that's the difference between a beat tape and an instrumental album. Th- that lack of cohesion is more so of a beat tape, which is tight. That's the difference between a mixtape and an album. You know, like Lil Wayne, you know the Carter Three. That's you know what you want to hear in the Carter Three, but then you got no ceilings, you got dedication one, two, even those are series, but he's rapping other people's beats. He's just flexing his raw talent of rapping. Like I'm in a gym or like I'm 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 at a spar, but then when you get to the album, that's like the full match. I know what I'm doing. You know what you're hearing. You know the package you're going to get. You know the theme you're going to get. Most beat tapes don't generally have a theme. And I have beat tapes and instrumental albums. Like Death Strike, Death Wave, um, and Death Ray are more so my instrumental albums. Uh, The Death album, the very first one I dropped, that's more of an instrumental album too because it's more uh, uh, deaf awareness in that and a bunch of deaf. There's there's speakings from deaf people and, and, uh, and, and Sonic super villains from my favorite cartoons and that was my first project and that was a, actually an instrumental album i didn't have, i didn't realize that till later what i was doing once i put out a bunch of other beat tapes death note is also an instrumental album mm-hmm. i played off of uh, one of my favorite animes death note into that and um and, and it really was a uh, parallel to my death and rebirth as a newer person you know what i mean it came about when i was i was quitting drinking and just making my life better and um, that was like me coming out the cocoon, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Then I had a death parade. It, those were like beat tapes. Those they they had they had some cohesion, but it was just me just doing shit and just flexing what I had going on and things. They they made sense. They flow right. But once I got back to Death Strike, that's when I was like, all right, this is what I'm doing. These are my themes, and this is the movie, and this is going on in the movie. There's a start and there's a middle, there's an end, there's a side A, side B. This one, I'm going to flip the record. I'm thinking about that when I'm uh, arranging everything. Mm. Yeah, that's dope. I appreciate the insight into that. Word up. You're the artist behind all the illustrations on the um, albums in the Deaf Instrumental Series and all your other albums, right? Yeah, no, no one does anything for me, really. Okay. I, I pay a master and engineer for my raps, but other than that, I do everything. Got it. That's what I thought. I just wanted to be sure, though, that I wasn't making up a lie. When did your interest in art start, and and who or what inspired this? In art in general, or the arts for my project? Well, I guess a little bit of both. In general, I started drawing. I I drew my first drawing when I was three years old. It was a piece of cheese, like a, a piece of Swiss cheese. I was at my mom's choir rehearsal, and and my cousin, my bigger cousin, uh, Carlton, he like inspired me to kind of draw. He was hungry, so he just started drawing food, and then you know I just started drawing with him. And then ever since then, I was an artist, you know, he he was mm-hmm. about five years, he was about five years older than me. So he was in art classes and then in art school. So he would bring his stuff home and then I would like learn what he's doing. So by the time I was like 10, I was drawn at a level as if I was supposed to be 16. So I had to like take college courses uh, by the time I was 13. And then when I was 12 in my church, I used to run the live sound for the whole church. So I was already like engineering there. I was making sure all the mics worked. Um, I was recording and 
dubbing and producing the sermons for my church, which is what the same kind of the same thing I do now with my my beat tapes and the cassettes and everything. Like, so I always been me. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. just kind of I'm just molding it into like the final product right now. I, I finally figured out how how I wanted to present it to the world. Mm. For the for the new album covers, I don't know. I just it's really my style, you know. I, I love comic books. I love like adventure movies and Marvel and shit like that. And I love anime, so I kind of try to blend both of those influences into my style. It really explains my character, really. I really appreciate it. I, I'm someone who likes the whole package, who looks at the whole package. So I really look at album art, and I really appreciate what you're you're doing on your projects um, visually. Thank One you. that really stood out to me is the the artwork on Persevere. Um, which is another project you released this year. I, I love it. But I mean, in addition to that, I think this is a project that really does a good job of featuring you as both an MC and a producer. Three. Let me take this moment and relish in it. It's golden embellished in it, fellowshipping. Won't be selfish with it. Let it sink and then absorb it. We made it through the torment. They ain't break the fortress. Rejoice the way ain't forfeit in the war against the enemy within. The frenemies of sin. Remedies from can. Push the energy through pens. Faith conquers fear. Be mindful of your rear. Watch your peers. It could be throwing shockers through your spear. I don't handle trust the spear, but paranoia don't leave me. Keep the hustle strong. That employer won't feed me. Keep that bank room fresh. I don't carry cash, you bring me stress. I don't chase no ass, you create no flesh. I hold no text unless it's necessary. By any means, no longer making ends meet. Cream supplying fiends consistently in my jeans. I bleed quality, trying to stay godly through my policies. I never break my policies. And it made me wonder, you know, when considering these two roles, is there an area that you feel more confident in? I don't know. It depends on, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I guess beats. I'm more confident in that because, like, yeah, because my raps, I have, I'm definitely confident in my rapping, but I'm already going to know, like, certain people won't want to hear my shit and they not. Mm. When I put a beat out there, everybody everybody likes it. Everybody appreciates it. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, for, for, for my daily nine to five, I'm a mandated reporter. I'm a therapeutic staff support member. So mm. um, I have, like, a nine-year-old... But last year, before the pandemic, I had a nine-year-old client, you know, who has um, little black kid who had uh, problems in school, you know, uh, behaviorally or, you know, just uh, educationally. And I would play the kids my music too before I dropped it. And if a nine-year-old like my beat, then that's tight. And then I could play it for my mom. So my mom like fifty. My mom like fifty years old. She liked the beat. It's tight. So. But me playing persevere for a nine year old, they can be like, What the hell is he talking about? Because they don't they didn't yeah, live to yeah. understand those words, you know what I mean? Right. But so definitely most likely instrumentals when it comes to like releasing them, but when I'm making them, I got the same amount of confidence when I'm making the music. Mm. Q, you're also a skater, right? Yep. It seems like your music often finds its way into skating projects. Could you talk briefly about the relationship between skating and your music? Uh, I was in a group called the Bakery Boys, um, established in 2011. It was me and my childhood brothers and friends. We were already skateboarders together. We known each other since probably 2007 and eight and up. One of my homies I know since kindergarten that I skated with, and then we just kind of formed into music. Uh, Mark Ryan uh, formed us all in the music. It was Mark Ryan. It was uh, Ace Bangers uh, and TJ Adams, who was on the uh, Wu Tang uh, Hulu show right now, playing Old Dirty Bastard. Mm. We were. Um, in a rap group called the Bakery Boys, we started Bake Life and everything, Bake Bake Recordings, all together. But we came together from skateboarding, so I wouldn't be 
really taking this music shit seriously if it wasn't for us like skateboarding then meeting each other do skateboarding then mark ryan really like seeing a star quality and all of us to bring us all together as one unit so i owe everything to skateboarding it ends up in skate projects because you know i'm I'm like an OG at Love Park. I've been out here over a decade, like 15 years or something. Yeah. You know, I got kids younger than me that I try to mentor to, you know, stay on certain paths and everything. And even if I'm not skating, like I ain't skating in weeks, maybe a week. And if I skate, I'll do a trick or two. I got a bad leg, but I'm still active in the community and people know who I am. And I, I like to be in good relations with my community. And they take care of me too. They're like usually the first ones to post and share my music and support. So I got a whole support system for from people who actually love and care about me and skateboarding brought that to me. Mm. Unlike me, like trying to hustle a mixtape on the street or, or going to shows and trying to get people into my music. I got like a force already with me. You know what I mean? And they have a, um, and my, my homie, uh, Brian Pennebianco and, uh, Ryan Higgins have, have a company called sabotage productions. They, they put out the, 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 the local skate videos of my generation. Okay. And, um, uh, Penny, who's Brian Pennebianco, Penny, uh, reached out to me like one time, this was maybe 20, I can't even remember, 2015. He, he just was like, yo, can I use a beat for this? Can you send me a beat for this while I'm working on? And, and that's how I started getting it in the skate stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and he has a knack for for music and putting it in his productions, but he doesn't even, like, listen to music. Like, he doesn't listen to music on a day-to-day. Like, I'm going to listen to some music. Like, Penny doesn't do that. I don't know. He's a genius, so he's different, but he always picks the right shit for the skate videos like he'll pick up beat i made when i was like 19 and i hate the beat like i hate that beat i hate that beat and then the video will drop and it'll be like damn this is kind of fire <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and, and it just grew from there you know companies no uh, sabotage and then you know dc shoes and i got commercials with them and then red bull did a documentary and they wanted to include me and i also scored that i had two productions in that so uh jimmy garecki who was uh who's definitely a Love Park OG. Uh he has his own clothing line, uh Jimmy Sweatpants J S P and um what's the T shirt company called? Oh man, he gonna kill me. Standard <laughs> issue tees. Okay. Um he, he picked me up to do some of his collaborative commercials for his shit. So, you know, and and it's just the community skateboard just is so tight knit, it just keeps us all together. I wanted to ask uh specifically about that Red Bull um documentary greetings from philadelphia i mean yeah. I'll, I'll admit that i'm not a skater i know next to nothing about skating but i i happened to catch that and it really seemed to do philly right like i watched that and felt proud of my city i was like yeah yeah they did a good town. job because they would they would have got in trouble not <laughs> <laughs> they, it, it could have been it could have been more participation through the through the through the street skating community like the downtown kids but some people are just like, ah, I don't want to work with this billion-dollar corporation and shit. And I'm like, right. I feel y'all. Y'all get to make that decision now. But my generation, these, these are the kids younger than me. My generation, we had shit. Like, there was no DGK, DC, Stevie Williams didn't come see us and skate with us. Nobody. Not even, Kalis would pop in time to time, and he was cool. I guess Stevie popped in maybe once or twice, and they were, like, cool. But we didn't have them, like, supporting us, pushing us, trying to help us do better. And it was – it was a lot of great skaters that were like around my age group that could be pro, that could be huge, but we didn't have those opportunities. So it's now like I'm getting these opportunities of like my voice and my, I, I can I, I can speak up and represent my generation of, of like, oh, and what I'm doing personally. Yeah, I'm going to be there because they wanted to interview me and I'm not even a good ass skateboarder, but that, that just shows you it's more about community here in Philly. Like, 
greetings from L.A. or Venice would have probably been like, who's the best skater at the Venice skate spot? Or who's oh, – they'll have pros and shit, like people who are, like, industry or, like, super good at skateboarding. Like, people in those – that in the, in the Philly documentary, we were just – we just live here and we skate. We might not be that good, might not be that bad, but we count as a part of the community, and I'm glad, like, Red Bull cared enough to highlight that here. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. I did want to ask you, Q, just to take a little bit of a step back from the music a bit and talk to you about the attack of the Killer Cop City and your involvement with this. You joined forces with the decades to create this, donating proceeds to the Minnesota Minnesota Freedom Fund, Philly Bailout Fund, and then Walter Wallace's family after his murder. How did you become involved with this and how did the idea for the collaboration come about? We made that T-shirt in 2015 when Mike Brown was uh, was murdered by okay. the police. Um, it was a lot of civil unrest still going on out here, not at the level as it was in 2020. Yeah. And um, and I had my first art show at a uh, Exit Skate Shop, and um, in, in Northern Liberties in Philly, and um, and uh, and it was in collaboration with the Decades and uh, the Decades owner Pugs. He hit me up like, "Yo, I got this idea for the shirt." I'm like, "What's up?" I got a headline like Attack of the Killer Cops, like a killer cop or something like that, like a zombie movie. Like that was, it was very vague. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was sitting in my homie's apartment. I was looking at the wall. You know, when you go to shooting range, you get to take that shit home. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. How, how well you did. He had his on the wall and I'm just looking at it. And then I start, I started drawing like the, the, the zombie looking, that was my little character. And I put it on, I, I, instead of just that guy aiming, aiming a gun at you that you shoot at, at a target in the shooting range, it was a cop aiming at you. And I was sitting there and I just sketched it in my book. I sent it to him and then he vectored it and then digitized it and we made it like a whole a t-shirt. And um and we had him at my show. And it wasn't a lie. It was just, you know, it was just, it was like a, a like a thing. But we, we weren't even in like the, the headspace or, or really tapped in or like really, we, it was way bigger than we thought it was. It was just like a thing. Like, man, fuck cops. We gonna make this shirt and it's gonna be tight. And then it just like slowly me looking at the piece, it kind of haunts me. Like I really, I kind of don't like it. I like it, but I don't like it. You know, it's like art, yeah. like it's like fucked up. It's like very fucked up. So it's like, oh, I love that shirt. And it's like, thanks. You know what I mean? It is great. But it's like, yeah. But by, the, by the time it came around last year when everything was going on and exploding ATMs and riots and shit and people getting locked up and these families not having their father to raise them, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah that's 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 it was like pretty messed up um those those children i work with children and i know children who don't have their fathers around but Mm -hmm. those children had their fathers around and they were taken from Mm -hmm. and i was raising money and i was like i I don't want to make no more money off this shit so we didn't we dropped the shirts again like for a little run or whatever not really just had like one or two for people who missed it like homies but i'm like i don't feel right making profit off of the off of this this art i just right. didn't feel right you know what i mean i, I just didn't feel right so um when everything happened everybody was downtown right and called me you want to come loot you want to come right i'm like nope i'm not going nowhere near that shit and then i just called uh pause i'm like yo let's bring the shirts back and raise some money like fuck it mm. and he was like i'm with it so we brought it back and we just raised the money and i was just thinking about the kids like these kids don't got no father now they, they father was killed and it was put all over social media and like, and you know what I mean? They got to grow up seeing that. And that's, that's very traumatic. And I'm really big on like 
mental health and shit like that. Like I got a therapist and all that. I quit drinking. I'm trying to get my shit together. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah. um, those kids got to grow up seeing that video. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I know kids who lost their parents, but it's not. It wasn't a a video. Yeah. It wasn't everywhere. It wasn't. It wasn't like up for. It wasn't a conversational piece. No, he, he shouldn't have had the knife. And you shouldn't have done that. Or the cop shouldn't have did this. And like, dog, that's it's really fucked up. It's really traumatic and it's really messed up. And those kids don't even understand it right now. So, at least have financially have something so they can like take care. Of their, their their families can take care of them. Their grandma, and their aunt, who's ever taking care of them, make sure they got what they need to continue to to do what they do. You know what I mean? And yeah. hopefully they can get some help later on. So. And then, and and also the people who was protesting, he was getting the shit beat out of them, and not even the rioters. You know what I mean? If you riot, you want to loot and steal and shit. All right, that's cool. I understand it's uh, I understand it's an act of uh, revolution and all that. Down with the corporations, fuck all them. I, I, I'm yeah. down with that. But if they lock you up, they lock you the fuck up. Like, but we gonna have some bail money for you because a lot of riot, a lot of protesters were locked up that weren't rioting. They were like peacefully protesting. They was beat on and locked up just because you know the cops is bullies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Wor- worldwide, that's what that's that's how they get down to a gang. They're the biggest gang out here. Mm-hmm. And and if and if you was acting up in these streets, they was going to throw you in the box. Yep. And we want and we wanted to have that money for people who needed to get out. I just want to say I really appreciated this. You know, last last year was fucking rough, and I felt yeah. pretty pretty helpless a lot of times, more times than not. And so you know, it's just sort of sort of dilemma. Like, what do I do? Like, how how do I how do I help? I mean, I, you know, as a member of the black community, I was deeply impacted. And so when I saw this, I was really inspired. And, and when I found out where the proceeds were going, I immediately bought the, the sweatshirt. And then I was just like, well, maybe this is how I can help. I can donate to different organizations that are on the ground doing this work. Um, so I, I just wanted to tell you that I appreciated what you did. I appreciate you. I appreciate you just for tapping in. I hope you got a shirt or I hope you found some way to support or share some message or yeah. information or just on your own. You know what I mean? If It's about the energy you put behind into the universe. Like I'm not asking motherfuckers that are rich as fuck to give a million dollars. I don't care how much you donate. Oh, you're a billionaire. You should have donated a billion dollars. Like I don't give a fuck. They had the energy behind like putting that to a good cause. I'm good with that. Like mm. you want to go protest. That energy is good. You want to just share posts all day that people can see some information to figure some shit out. That's good. You want to change your way of thinking and you enlighten to, to live a different way. And you want to express that and share that with people like you. That's great. You sit back and not doing shit. You suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. about the energy yeah. you put into the universe. I'm not judging how nobody wants to help nobody, but if you putting that energy out there, it's great. You know? Yeah. 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 I agree. Well, I can't think of a better way to transition a moment of truth. Word, right? Let's do it. Oh. I'm gonna be on Tidal. That's all my eyes can see. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been laying, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. Now I'ma start collecting props, connecting plots, networking like a conference. Cause the nonsense is yet to stop. Jake, shake me down. Haters wanna take me down, break me down, clap. All they heard was a sound. Yo, I scoped it out. I took your weak dream and choked it out. Your bitch don't really got no ass. She just poked it out on the D-Lo. I'm saying you versus me, yo. We can do this shit right here in front of your people. See time is money, kid, and BS walks. And to me, it's funny, kid, when you meet heads talk. I see Fed stalk. 
They want to dig up the dirt, son. Is it me they hawk? Because I be putting it worse. Every episode, we talk about a classic slash influential album. Our guest always picks the album when we have guests. Um, and so tonight we're talking about Moment of Truth. So, Q, you wanted to talk about this album. But before we get into that, I, I did want to mention that when we first asked you about an album to pick for tonight's episode, you wanted to discuss two. You wanted to discuss this one and only built for Cuban links because you said one album influenced you as a rapper and one album influenced you as a producer. And I'm going to take yeah. a stab at this and say only built for Cuban links influence you as a producer and moment of truth influence you as a rapper. Do I have that right? For sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. I mean, just listening to your work, I can hear the the RZA influence. Um, I mean, you have a, a track on Pitch Black, uh, Ghost. I'm thinking of Ghost, very RZA-like, and so that that was my guess, and I and I got it right, and I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about that. So, when did you first discover Moment of Truth? Skateboarding. Okay. It's all full circle. So, um, it was this. Uh, I was listening to that shit when I was young too. You know, I'm I'm only 29, so like, Moment of Truth came out. It was like it could have easily been way over my head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I was supposed to be listening to fucking uh, uh, snap your fingers and T Pain and shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Around around that age, and you know what I mean. Moment of Truth came out in '98. You know what I'm saying? I was only like six years old. I wasn't even mm -hmm. six yet. I was five. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was five. It was their fifth album. I was five years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? They music go back to like they go back. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like skateboard. No, uh, the DC video which highlighted skateboarding in Philadelphia, Love Park, City Hall, all of the shit out here. J Josh Kalis, uh, that's my OG. You know what I mean? He holds the uh, community down. You know what I mean? Um, he had a he skated to Full Clip by Gangstar. Hmm. He skated to Full Clip, and you know that just. And that, that video came out in, like, 2001. And uh, Full Clip, let me see. Full Clip was on the Full Clip album, Full right? Clip album, yeah. I get a Gangstar? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was 99. And uh, the DC video came out in 2001. 2003, 2003. Came out in 2003. And, um, and Josh Kayla skated the Full Clip, and that's, like, when I started kind of getting into Gangstar, I've heard it before, but that's when I was like in it. That came out in 2003 and I started skating in 2006, about 2006 is 2007 is, 2007 is when I started taking it seriously, but 2006 is when I started like getting into it. Um, I was taking uh, college courses downtown in Center City uh, with art and I seen like these, these skaters that were black, they looked like me. It was Jason and my homie Dust, my OGs, they like 49 and they still skate. And um and I was like, damn, I can go skate too. So I just started, you know, watching videos and looking at everything. And then I, I heard Full Clip. And I'm like, this song is dope. And then I heard uh, Work. You know what I mean? That's my favorite, one of my favorite Gangstar songs. And I mean, it just led to me just looking up their whole discography. And I had a green iPod uh, Nano. And I had all these Gangstar albums on there. You know what I mean? And I would, and, and, But Moment of Truth was my shit because my grandfather, uh, who really inspired my... um my ears for music he would just ride around playing 90.1 you know 90.1 fm that's jazz yeah. after at 6 a.m after 6 p.m and in the morning he dropped me off at school they play classical in the morning it's been like that shit forever right and in the weekends they play like uh, reggaeton or whatever or like spanish music and salsa music it's fly but um 
I always had a knack for jazz and here and there. And uh, my grandfather liked the instrumentals of hip hop, but he didn't like the content. So when I played it, he would just be like, this music's very disrespectful. I don't like the way you talk about women. Your, your relations with a woman should be private. And, and like, I was just raised by my grandfather as my father figure. So like, I have like the older soul and older, more developed mind on my perspective of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, but moment of truth was just like about just being a stand up guy, even though like guru was a gangster and all that, you know what I mean? Like he's from the streets, same with Primo, like they from a whole different era when it, it was hard to do good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But moment of truth, it, it really was the album where it was just like, it was just about being a solid person. If you had to get your hands dirty, you had to because it was necessary, but not just out here just being just a, a horrible motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's what right. Google stood for and, and Moment of Truth, the album, stood for. Like, my favorite song is Discipline because um, mm-hmm. it's just, I listen to it every day. I, I was coming back from California, and um, I was just playing it, I was playing it in the car and just, like, soaking it up. Like, damn, this, this really molded my mind when I was, like, 14, 15 years old into like being like a stand-up guy and as an adult, you know what I mean? I'm not perfect myself, but I still had those morals coming from hip-hop, which is like a loss, is lost right now, you know what I mean? It's all about getting fucked up and doing drugs and treating women like trash and a lot of people homophobic and transphobic, and I don't like none of that hate shit, you know what I mean? But moment of truth, it was no hate in that album. It was no bitterness, it was no petty shit. Like you, you listen to Drake is like go be petty and get revenge on people and takes my girl and then you know what I mean like then a lot of music drill music real violence like that person pisses you off go kill them like holy shit calm down yeah. moment of truth though a moment of truth is to calm down relax think about it for a minute yeah that's missing that's missing in society now and if and when it was in our music you you if it was still in our music it, it'll it'll it, a lot of things won't happen that are really horrible, especially as going on in the city right now. If somebody just told somebody, yo, chill out, think about it for a minute. Hey, go have a conversation. Mm. Chill. You don't want to be in the cell the rest of your life. You don't, you don't want to die. You don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, you don't really want to hurt this woman like that. You know what I'm saying? That's really what Guru and Premier put together in that album. All of that shit is in there for a person to just be a better person and just be truthful with themselves and with everybody. Yeah. When I think a moment of truth, I think about a certain mentality that guru was trying to like convey. He was trying to like teach on really. And yeah, it, it sounds like that's what makes moment of truth stand out from gangstars like discography for you. Yeah. He was, uh, he was just the old, that, that album where he was old here trying to like, he was giving you game that was like priceless. Like, yeah. no, you got to go about it this way, young boy. No, listen to me here. This, this what you should do. And that was, and it was like, I feel as though Guru was my old head. I ain't even know cause like, I don't know him, yeah. but me listening to moment of truth, I feel as though like he really connected with me and like taught me some shit. I learned some shit, but it wasn't like I was forced to learn. Like I'm, I got to go to school. You got to go to college. This is the core curriculum. This was just some real shit. That's going to stick with me. And then I'm going to come back to the song and it was like, damn, I knew about this. Or like, oh, damn, I did act. I, I reacted this way in that situation because I heard this song when I was a kid and my mind was developing. And I didn't notice, like, I would, I would, I would have that information to react that way until later on when I revisit the album. Hmm. I revisit the album now and I'll be like, damn, Leo, this is me. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I like that. 
other than like listening to some violent ass shit and I'm like, yeah, this is me, I'm a killer, I'm a hustler. Like, I get it. Some some people street niggas, some people not, and I'm not a street nigga, you know what I mean? Like at all. I know them. I'm real tight with a lot of them, but that's just not my role. Yeah, just to jump on what what Rob was saying, I think in uh, on other gangster albums, Guru felt sometimes more like a student and a moment of truth, he was definitely the teacher. Yeah. So you can just hear that growth on this album. Yeah, even the way he projected his rhymes just sounded way more like he had like a different force that was just flowing through him when he was rapping. Like the way he even approached everything was different. Yeah. Like you can hear just to get a rap, like brothers are amused while other brothers raps. Then he was just telling that story and shit. Mm-hmm. And then, like, but you'll hear fucking discipline, and he'll just be breaking down on, like, just how you should live, and you'll hear betrayal, and he'll just be telling you, like, how shit could really go down if you to watch it back, and you know what I mean? Like, it's different. Yeah. I think that Guru did his fair share of teaching, like, up to this point. One of my, my favorite gangstar albums is Hard to Earn, and, you know, on Code of the Streets and Tons of Guns, like, he's teaching. But it's from a different perspective. It's from like street level stuff. Where yeah. whereas on Moment of Truth, like we've been talking about, it's he he takes this approach as like the the veteran, like the wise old veteran that has this knowledge yeah. pass on. Yeah, he was like, I did all that shit, man. It ain't even worth it. You know, you got this like that old head that came home from jail. Like, man, that shit ain't worth it. And Guru, Guru was booked. He was in jail. Yeah, right. He he was in jail before. He had that time to sit there and be like, damn, all this shit ain't even worth it, dog. Sometimes you got to have that moment. See, me, I don't need to have that moment. Like, I get away with some nut shit and then be like, yo, I can't even draw no more. I need to chill out. But some people got to get caught and be fucked up to really learn their lesson. You know what I mean? I learned my lesson from the anxiety of like, damn, like, you know what I mean? I did bad. So, like, I don't want to repeat that because I got a conscience thinking, like, I don't want to repeat those actions. Some people is like, well, I ain't get caught, so it don't mean shit. And I understand both perspectives because some people are just built differently, but I'm glad Guru had that message, you know, for people to, to, to tune into. He he came home and was like, listen, man, I'm going to give you all these principles and codes to live by. And it, you know what I really like, too? Is, uh, Guru would have been about, what, like 60, maybe? He was older than everybody. He was in his, he would have been 60 if he was still alive, I think. I know he was older. I, I'm not sure how old he would be yeah. today. but Guru would have been 60, right? And the thing, the thing I don't get, it's, it's a bunch of like, he'd have been like 59. No, he'd have been 60. Yeah, 60. Yeah, he would have been 60 this year. His birthday is three days before mine. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we the same sign. Like, dog, I really understand Guru kind of <laughs> in a certain, it's weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. And three, you know, that's my number. It's a bunch of shit. But uh, he would have been about 60. And, and, and a person in his, his mindset, like a 60-year-old today, like, They'll be stuck in, oh, he's stuck in their ways. He's from a different time. And you know what I mean? Like when it comes to like people molding their mind and, and, and accepting other people and, and letting go of being prejudiced and, and, you know, just letting go of bitterness and evolving and being a better person and, and doing better shit. Somebody would look at a 60 year old and be like, oh, they stuck, they, they stuck in they, 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 where they from. They from a different time. Guru, if you listen to Moment of Truth, Guru wasn't rapping about no nut shit. He wasn't saying a bunch of offensive shit. He wasn't saying a bunch of horrible misogynistic shit. He was reflecting on his misogynistic ways. You know how he used to treat women, but he would like a song called like royalty. Yeah. 
that he was spitting some game in royalty, but he wasn't like talking down on women. He wasn't telling them what they should should not be doing. He was offering his perspective and like in a more empowering approach, other than like you know trying to downplay women for I don't know their sexual liberation or however I don't care how people live their life. But he didn't get on the song like telling people how to live their life. He was giving he was getting on the song like saying like yo you're worth a lot, mm-hmm. you're very special, you're 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 royalty. Um, and you should act as such however you want to take that you can take it and run with it you know what I mean there, and then he reflect there's been times I was I did I did this and did that and I was hitting it and quitting it and I was here and there and I'm, I'm reflecting on this and it, and it wasn't good and don't let nobody do that to you you know it was like he was talking to his daughter or something but he was just making a song you know what I'm saying and all the girls they want to spoil me my honey anoints me with oil G. After work, she greets me and treats me like royalty. Works with me, giving herself by my side. She don't sweat me for loot, my fame or my ride. A lot of ladies out there be looking lovely, but they don't got no control of their life. Inside, they're ugly. Word to Bugsy, enter red alert. Sway in tech and funk master flex to make your head jerk. Chicks go berserk when they see us in the spot. Casey, Jojo, and Primo creeping to the top. And to the sweethearts out there breaking hearts. While we're taking part of this hip-hop art Listen, yo, the best way, it ain't always the fast way And yes, the best way, it ain't always to act nasty I'll open up the door always before you pass me, baby doll Because you're royalty But nowadays, you'll be like, oh hey, They just stuck in their ways, you know These these old heads nowadays, they don't they don't know how to respect people And respect women He was respectful to women, he's damn near the, the same age as people now Or older or younger there's people in their 40s that just treat people like shit so it, he was in like a he, he was just a good like representation of like you either a good person or not you can't blame your upbringing you can't blame none of that shit like I, I hate when people say like or, or somebody go to jail and shit right or, or some matter of fact no I'm gonna just keep it at rap uh, rappers that's like my age or older and it's oh man that's all I know is the streets that's all I know get the fuck out of here dog it's, it's Guru was 60 years old, and, you know, he knew better. You know what I mean? People older or younger who knew better. We got Google and shit, and YouTube. What the fuck? You can go know some other shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can, go, I can go on YouTube and watch a 20-minute video and know how to survive a post-nuclear apocalypse, dog. Come on. All, all this it's all I know shit. No, you refuse to know better. Mm. You know what I mean? And that goes with anybody, like. My age, older, some people just refuse to know better, and that's on them. I, I, I can't blame their, their surroundings or upbringing on anything because I'm from the hood. I live in the hood now, and I ain't out there selling crack. I ain't out there on the corner. I know better. I know I know other shit that I can do. I was given talents. I'm blessed to have these talents to go use them. I know people with mad talent. They don't even want to use their shit. That shit is crazy. You know what I mean? And it was just Guru was a great example of, of knowing better yeah. and doing better. How would you say Moment of Truth has found its way into your music? Shit, if you listen to, like, me as a rapper, if you listen to, like, Persevere and shit, that, uh, that definitely found its way into my music because, you know, I don't do a whole bunch of the... Uh, he, he was definitely pro, very pro-black, which, you know, Persevere was a super pro-black album for me. But it wasn't, like, a razor where it's on some kill whitey shit. Like, I'm not with none of that shit. But it was just, I was just trying to empower my people, and that's... At the end of the day, that that was his main focus. You know what I mean? Like, and however I'm gonna make music, whatever I'm making, that's that's my main focus. I'm trying to empower my people. I'm trying to empower whoever listening to it, whatever walk of life they was in. 
So that that was like that's the influence I got from Moment of Truth, and it just be truthful. Mm-hmm. My shit is truthful as shit. Like I'm talking about myself and life and real shit. I want to say some real shit. I want to live in this fantasy imaginary land of fucking super gangsters and cowboys and and drugs and shit and. I didn't rob somebody this and I didn't stole this and that. Like when they ain't really do shit like that, like I feel dumb just getting on a song talking about shit I ain't do. Yeah. And be like, oh, it's entertainment. Oh, if you don't like it, you a hater. No, you just a fucking liar. And I don't like liars. Yeah, I don't like liars. I guess that make me a hater. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't like lies. I guess I'm a hater because I don't like liars. I guess I got to love a liar to not be a hater. Nah, I'm not trying to hear that shit. So, you know what I mean? Moment of truth, dog. Be truthful in your shit, in your art. Yeah, it's about that authenticity. Yeah, for real. No matter what it is, if you're truthful with it, you you behind it, then I can rock. And nobody getting hurt, I can rock with it. I don't care who you is, what kind of walk of life. You know what I mean? Black, white, Asian, whatever. You know, cis, trans, gay, straight, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care. If If you live your life, how you live it, nobody getting hurt in the process and you truthful about yourself, I don't got no hate towards you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't care what job you do or none of that. I don't care if you're a stripper and I don't care if you, uh, you know what I mean? A security guard. I care if you're a cop though. I don't like any of those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I'm cool. I'm sorry. I just, I don't can't be sorry. Like Cause I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, no, nah, I'm cool. I don't got, I don't really, yeah, I'm cool. Unless I need direction somewhere, then I might, I mean, I, I don't know where this block is. That's the only time you catch me talking to a police officer. Not even then, I'll get lost. I'll just be lost. I'll ask for direction <laughs> here and there. Or, uh, or no, no, matter of fact, if I get hit by a car or something, I've been in a lot of car accidents and shit because I was a bike courier. I got to call the cops because I need well, it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That. I need right. the police report. Right, you need the I got to get that to the insurance, insurance company. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks to <laughs> so them. They, yeah. they, they, they become necessary in, when, when they have to be necessary because right, it's, right. it's a prerequisite for me to speak to them. If I got to talk to them, I got to speak to them. But other than that, nah. I don't care who you is or what you do. If you a cop, you suck. <laughs> You suck, dog. Like, that's, nah. You suck. I want to go back to uh, Only Built for Cuban Links just briefly before we end our time tonight. I know up. I know. Uh, our, our main focus was on Moment of Truth, but, you know, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about Cuban Links. What, what was it about Cuban I mean, I feel like the answer could be obvious. It's the RZA, right? But what was it about Cuban Links that influenced you so much as a producer? As a producer? It was the soul and the rhythm, the soul, the soul music, my shit. I like the voices. You know, RZA started that. I don't think anybody, uh, they, they credit whoever or whoever else. I don't give a shit. RZA started the high-pitched vocal shit. The chipmunk soul is what he he, he coined it as. Mm. RZA started that. If you hear my music, I got a bunch of soul and all that. RZA's the shit. Yeah. RZA was the best. You know what I mean? So, like, I just love the beats on that album and the raps. You know, they complimented it in the best way also. Yeah, that's it. It's the soul, really, mm-hmm. and and yeah. the, and the one skit, the uh, the 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 shark nigga biter skit. That's my shit. That's my favorite track, and that ain't even a song. <laughs> uh, he just he diss Biggie on that John and telling people to just be yourself and be original and you can come out your own way, whatever how you want to take it, man. Fuck it. That shit was fly. <laughs> 
everybody nowadays want to sound like somebody else or be somebody else. That shit was not there in hip hop back in the day. You biting somebody's style? What? Mm-hmm. You ex- wasn't you, allowed. You, you, yeah, fuck no. Now it's like you gotta bite a style, and if you're not biting a style, it's yo. We living in a polar opposite reality right now. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty fucking fried. I think in 2012 when it was like the world was going in, like that's when everything changed. In 2012, everything just be. Remember 2012 when it was like this is the last year, May something, 2020, 2012. You remember that shit? No, no, I, no. I don't. Oh my gosh, it was like it was May 21st, 2012 or some shit like that. I can't remember the date. They were like, this is the end of the world. It's the last day. The world's going to end. You don't remember this shit? I, I'm, the more you talk about it, the more I have some vague memory of it. I remember this shit. It was everywhere. They were saying it was the ending and it was the rapture coming and shit. It was like some... And after th- some Mayan calendar thing or something? It was Yeah, it was the Aztec or oh, Mayan one of them, too. They didn't... They, and then, then we found out later we was reading it, we was reading that shit wrong, and we really don't know how to read shit. <laughs> Everybody been colonized so much, we don't know what the fuck they was doing back then. Anyway, True. but after 2012, shit just got different. Like being a skater was like way cooler, and it was like skater rapping was tight, and and like my culture, like skateboarding and shit like that was like we was like weird. We was like. It was like the devil's rejects. We was the outsiders and the weird kids, kind of. Mm. And then after 2012, it was like our future blew up, and uh. and then everyone they wanted to dress and be like a skateboarder, and then like playing Pokemon was cool. Remember Pokemon Go came out after that, and it was like everyone was playing Pokemon. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? A bunch of shit that I was doing that was like considered lame ended up like being cool after 2012. So like. I suppose though we just and and then like just biting shit and stealing shit was cool like mm. like how you got like off white and Virgil and that shit looked like every other thing and yeah. mm-hmm. and then like a bunch of off brand shit that just like I'll make a t shirt that looked like something else and people will buy that over my original artwork piece you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it, it just like I don't know we living in a uh, we living in it's like a black hole of just biting styles right now. The most recent example of that is these pants that Balenciaga created. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're like these baggy ass sweatpants and they have boxers sewn in the inside. So it looks like you're sagging your pants Uh, and they're like, they're like over a thousand dollars. And I'm like, how many fucking black people, black men, were criticized for this bullshit and now Balenciaga is capitalizing on that and they're selling it for over a grand. I just the the world is fucking interesting. But, oh, you yeah. know what else? Do rags. I never oh, stopped wearing do rags. I was I was wearing do rags for years. Like I had a two tone John. I was wearing I was wearing do rags running around. I was I used to wear cutoffs, long socks, all that shit growing up. Do rags. People used to be laughing at me on the side. Why the fuck you got that do rag on? Everybody wearing do rags. Never, now, yeah. Now Versace got do rags. And uh, you know what I mean? Bullshit. You know what I yeah. mean? And now I want the I want the Versace and the Gucci shit. Like dog, these is Europeans. They the people who run Versace and uh, first of all, Louis Vuitton ain't hired nobody black for decades right, i don't right. think they ever did until virgil virgil was the right. first black person to like work for them all of them 
core base European high fashion brands that the rappers and everybody just are always into. They don't even like you, bro. Not at all. I'd rather go buy some black owned shit or somebody else who, you know what I mean? Or somebody uh-huh. I know personally or somebody, you know what I'm saying? It, and, and like, uh, then, then, then you got motherfuckers like Virgil, you know, Virgil black African, and you know, he's pretty big, but he always stealing shit. He getting sued right now by um, Walker Wear. Yeah. yeah. Like, he getting sued right now for that shit. Like, damn. So, like, it's like you got to steal people's shit to get on nowadays. And back in, and back in the day, that shit was uncalled for. Mm-hmm. It's fucking crazy. So, that's the authenticity, you know? That's, yeah. that's what I try to keep it. The word of the day. Definitely. Word of <laughs> my life. Yeah, really. Yeah. All right. Well, Q, we really appreciate your time. Um, we appreciate you talking about Moment of Truth and your work. Is there anything you want folks to know where they should be checking for you on social media? Anything? I know you just released a new project, but anything coming up that they should be aware about? No, just go get Def Wave. Go keep keep running that shit. I got a whole nother rap album that's already done, though. Mm. Uh, yeah, that shit's done. So uh, the vinyl game is fucked up right now. You know yeah, the yeah. the record execs and the you know all the motherfuckers fucked us over because you know artists couldn't tour last year. Mm-hmm. So you know they started making vinyls and cassettes and shit and you know jumping right on the art market. So you know our vinyl press got like eighty thousand Miley Cyrus albums to press, <laughs> and then I just want I just want my two fifty three hundred, and I gotta wait. So right. I got to do everything months and months ahead, yeah. even even longer. You know, Death Wave just came out, and I submitted that May first, and for to, to to print vinyl up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's a long process. So I gotta, I always gotta think ahead. But um, I ain't gonna start talking about the next rat one yet. It's, it's done though, and it's coming sometimes next year. Okay. I gotta talk to this vinyl company, but um, just keep, keep tapping into Death Wave. You know, Death Ray. Uh. I'm doing T-shirts for those albums. I'm doing more merch for for everything all over again. It's gonna be more shit you can just get fly in and listen to and and just keep that running. More art's coming. You know what I mean? I'm making more art. Looking forward to all of it. Absolutely. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Well, this has been the next movement. Thanks for joining us. Word up.